Bitch, I'm finna Bitch, I'm finna boo Bitch, I'm finna boo Yeah, me and all my crew Went from military infantry to goons All because the feds forgot the people make the rules Yeah, bitch, I'm finna boo Yeah I'm finna boogaloo Like a movie that's coming to a reality near you Welcome back to another episode of the Goon Squad, everybody. My name is Clayton Moore. My name is Lego Operator. This is Tony Seltzer. Uh, Anthony, welcome to the show, man. Thank you. I appreciate you guys having me. It's great to have you aboard. So, uh, Trent tells me you don't you don't really associate with any particular party, right? Not necessarily. I, if I was going to um, put myself into a political category, I'd probably call myself a vulgar progressive. Hell yeah. If anything. <laughs> <laughs> Not bad. What would your thoughts be on something like gun control? Yeah, so uh, I'm a big, big, big advocate of the First and Second Amendment rights. I think those are what makes America distinct in not only the world today, but in history. Like, those are the two things where those things need to be protected no matter what. Like, we, and I think um, especially with uh, social media, there's a very gray area between um, corporate rights and freedom of speech that I think really needs to be sorted out these days. But yeah, in general, like when it comes to gun rights, like I think uh, that needs to be protected for sure. How pro 2A are you? Like, should there be limits on what people could buy? As far as like putting limits on things, uh, I, I live in New York City and from a layman who doesn't own guns, but is pro-gun rights, my general conception is uh, population density should be the major factor when it comes to what sort of weapons we can have. I don't think in a densely urban area we should be able to have the same sorts of guns as you know, like someone in Montana. But so again, like, this is very layman. So like rifle rounds, you know, they build apartments paper thin that, you know, you shoot a rifle in an apartment, it goes right through. So yeah, that's I mean, I think, sort of what you're thinking, right? Yeah, I think um, uh, the stakes are higher when when you're in an urban area when you, you know, yeah. when you have things like that. Yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, maybe people should be able to own them no matter where they live. But at the same time, you got to use restraint even when you have to use them to defend your, your, your livelihood or your lives, the lives of yeah. your family, you know, like, yeah, but just it, like we, we, we don't want police to go into like, we've seen it before, especially like Breonna Taylor, the guy went in and he was charged with wonton shooting because he just sort of fired and yeah. in an apartment building with a, any firearm, the bullet, even a hollow point, a hollow point will go right through. So yeah. And yeah. it, again, in, in general, like I'm not really in support of any changes to the Second Amendment, but if there were going to be, I would say that the criteria should be population density. Like that seems to be the most uh, common sense way to approach any sort of reform, if there is any. Both the First and the Second Amendment are just the two that are that everything seems to be revolving around all the time because they're very highly politicized. Yeah, it's and those are the most sacred. With. Exactly, right. I mean, I'm sure you guys are both pro-Second Amendment. Yes. Mm-hmm. Is, is there any scenario where you would want any sort of adjustment to the Second Amendment? I think this might be a silly question, but... No. 
No, I, I don't think it's necessary. As the way I see it, the people who want them have them already. Nothing's stopping them. So yeah. what difference is it going to make? A piece of paper is not magical. It doesn't have some magical hold over people who want them, you know, because they're going to have them. And they don't go around blowing everything up all the time, do they? You know, when's the last time you heard of some crazy guy running down Michigan Avenue in Chicago with a rocket launcher? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. I, people are not totally wild. There is some control there. Are there people out there that could use a little help? Yes, of course there are. But I'd like to think that for the most part, people step in and they turn to their friends and they say, hey, bud, are you okay? So. Yeah, I think I think a bigger problem is uh, a sense of community and a sense of family more so than a problem with guns. I, I, I truly think that these issues that we have, it's it's more of a this atomizing of the individual rather than, you know, we don't have this close knit sense of community. We don't have these, you know, people are meant to leave home, you know, and we don't have these three generation families that people in other parts of the world have. And, uh, you know, it's a two income household. You can't get away with having one of the family members at home. I think those are a bigger factor to these broader issues of violence than anything else. You know, trying to keep an open mind, I see the logic, of course, you know, of course I see the danger to life, but within reason, you know, and you've, you've seen it with these good Samaritans, you know, the so-called good guys with the guns who have been gunned down tragically and they really were tragedies. You know, they, they try to do the right thing and but, you know, the officers hear a call with guy with an AR-15 that just shot a cop and he shows up and the guy is holding the AR-15. So police yeah. officers, of course, very ready to go in that situation. Adrenaline's pumping and they're not war fighters, you know, like they're just they're just trying to do the right thing like everybody else is. Uh, sometimes they fuck up. Most of the time they don't, you know. Yeah. But it's, it's that that window of complacency that they carry with them that causes these things to happen. Getting excited and forgetting what you're actually supposed to be doing there. Yeah, it, se it seems like there's been an uptick on that. Like what I find interesting in the last few years is just in general, like, you know, you have Black Lives Matter, you have Antifa, you have Mega. I mean, it seems like both sides of the political party are in protest, both. Like it, it doesn't matter where you land on that spectrum, but everyone seems to be uh, upset at the moment. Right. Uh, do you think there is a difference between what liberals are upset about versus conservatives? Is it the same thing? I think it's the same thing, but with different implications, you know? Yeah, different the, contexts. The point is that they're they're all pissed about something yes but they're blind to the fact that they can turn to another and say oh yeah you know we're all pissed you know let's go together <laughs> yeah i think that's the most interesting that's the most interesting part of of the scenario we are in today is that they seem to not understand that it's the same it's it's the same problem right like 
like the minutia is different, but everyone's upset right now. Every, right. Everyone is outraged. And if you look in the broadest context, it's it, they're really angry about the same thing. It's it's being ignored by by the powerful. I don't like calling people sheep, but it's hard for me to think of another word because sheep follow blindly, you know. And but you can't go around and, be, and say, "Oh, well, we're the we're the shepherd or we're the sheep dogs," because that's not true either. You know, people are going to want to believe what they want to believe in. You know, whatever makes them comfortable. You know, they're all regular people. They have yeah. lives. But when <laughs> they present what they've been told their entire lives they think is right, that's when they clash with the other people. Yeah, and I, I'll, I'll defend the sheep statement by saying, like, I think that throughout human history, it was important for most people to be non-agents. And it was, I think that's, been an evolutionary trait where most people are supposed to kind of fall into the system that they were grown up in that's mm. what makes society function so i right. I, I can't fault people for falling into line in any sort of way i think that's kind of what we're designed to do and that's what made us uh as a species prosper yeah we live together right yeah. you know we looking at the way that we evolved, you know, some of us were nomadic, some of us stayed in the same place and bunkered down. Point is like, you don't hear stories about the Lone Ranger too often. Yeah, of I course, mean, you know, I could never talk to anybody for the rest of my life and survive because I have a job. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, but at the end, yeah, at the end of the day, like a city is not going to be built by a bunch of superheroes who are thinking by themselves and it's not going to be built by a bunch of lone rangers right. you need most people to just do what they're told i think that's a positive trait uh for most of history but when it's uh when we're in uh, uh an era we're in right now it's it's uh suspect to fall in line it's good to question authority Yes. But when authority says, you know, stop questioning me and tries to make it wrong for questioning them or implies that people shouldn't question them, then you, then it's even more suspicious. So, yeah, but we have a right to be suspicious of our government. You know, that's, it couldn't be a bad thing. It couldn't be a, a good thing either. Yeah, and I think um, we're kind of in a, a rare moment in history where it's it's far more important today to be looking suspiciously at um the system we live in than uh i mean uh, the only other periods and like this is a very rare moment where uh questioning authority is isn't just like a um it's it's not a counterculture ideal it's it's very important because we're kind of moving from one epoch in history to another so these sorts of questionings of authority are crucial it, it, like this is this is uh uh the invention of the printing press we're in that sort of era where you have to question the catholic church when the printing press is invented like that's it's crucial so i always like to look at society and categorize it by how 
its justice system operates. You know, mm. we have, over the course of time, we've evolved from the days of Hammer Abbey's code to what we have now, which is supposed mm. to be rehabilitative justice, but it's failing. Yeah. You know, it's, we have both federal and private prisons. Yep, that's good, yeah. And services that are private, but also services that are uh, government, some with unions, some without. And we have all these inconsistencies. And some people say that, oh, well, prison wasn't so bad. And some people say that was the worst time of my life. Mm -hmm. you know, some people, they uh, commit crimes again. They fall into recidivism. Some people don't. Yeah, that makes sense. But it, because they kind of fall into, uh, that becomes their the system that they rely on. So, and in a lot of, situations like they don't have anything to return to when they get out so it's easier to just go back into the system that they're familiar with like that's the very human trait a living thing that chooses fight over flight when cornered or caged is more likely to be defensive in my opinion mm -hmm. especially one or those who have been agitated or radicalized so to say <laughs> yeah, yeah. so I, I believe that sometimes when people go to jail or prison that the treatment they receive or the experience that they go through while there turns them into a different person with different beliefs and different feelings about their time there and how they were affected by the criminal justice system there are some countries out there who are very successful. Their, their prisons are able to be much more laissez-faire. Uh, yeah. And their inmates are more comfortable. But here we have a track record of sending nonviolent offenders to jail and prison, largely yeah. because of the war on drugs and because of gun control. Yes. Which is why I believe that well, yes, I see the logic that there should be some stipulations on, you know, common sense, right? Yeah. I don't think that people should be going down this hard for those things that they quote unquote did, um, yeah. for lack of a better term. Because, you know, maybe in their eyes, they didn't do anything. They just, you know, like it's because somebody looked at them and said, well, there's other people out there who did this, so you're guilty right yeah i think um are you familiar with the whole kind of neoliberal uh kind of political era we live in from kind of ronald reagan to today a little bit yes so yeah, yeah. The, the war on the war on drugs is definitely <clears throat> that is a key neoliberal uh feature where you go from punishing people for violent crimes or or having a police force that is out to you know respond to things and not be actively searching for things and then the drug war which is very much a neoliberal system it, it actively searches for criminals and it finds criminals and it, it and it it's tries to put people in jail opposed to like you know like it, it, it just kind of inflated the whole 
the whole system and kind of changed the entire ethos, the ethics, what, what they were looking to do. And, and the prison rate went, you know, accelerated insanely. How are we going to get out of that? What do you think about that? What do you think the next step should be to, because you can't just go cold turkey on that big of a scale, right? Or could I you? Mean, I, I honestly think that you, you can. I think these sorts of things are, it, it requires kind of a shock to the system where, I mean, you look at the legalization of marijuana, that kind of is just like, a, it just kind of happened and kind of, it just was implemented immediately. I think uh, it, it has to kind of be a overnight change. I don't see this being like a gradual, okay, this this type of crime can be lifted in this one camp. I think it kind of has to be like an overnight adjustment. I think that makes the, the best sense. And I think that's, it, that just makes more sense than anything else, given how we've uh, reacted to other sorts of changes along those lines. Yeah, I see what you're saying. You got you to gotta take ownership. Somebody's got to come along and say, well, are we really doing the right thing here? And then do the right thing. Yeah, I, I think that is where the problem lies. Right. I think that that is the problem is we have created a political system where nobody takes ownership of anything. And everyone is removed from the con consequences of their actions. So on that side of things, I don't see anyone taking ownership. Yeah, I don't see it either. It's, uh, it's sad. It's unfortunate um, that, that politicians do the things they do. It's like um, showmanship almost. It's, it's kind of sad. And I wish yeah. it wasn't. I know, I know that they work hard. You know, there's, there's no doubt in my mind that they work hard. But what are they working hard for? You know, like, what's, yeah, I mean, what, do they, what are they I, doing? Again, I'll, I'll return to the, the neoliberal like, system. Like, mm -hmm. since 1980, uh, politicians have, in their best interests, uh, not been functional for citizens. The, their goal is to work for global corporations and do what's in their best interest. And that was like, I'm, I'm not a Trump supporter at all, but it was interesting when he was elected because I kind of broke from this tradition that I've only known since you know I've been born is this neoliberal order. And Trump kind of disturbed that, but in my, in my mind, it didn't really come through in, you know, that wasn't the appropriate way to break through the neoliberal order, but uh, that was a sign of things to come where we are not going to tolerate the neoliberal order. What are your views on the environment? Um, well, the, the problem is real. Mm -hmm. For sure, like that, uh, in my mind, that's not debatable how we're um, approaching it um, is debatable. I think uh, people like Elon Musk who are using capitalism to push us forward in you know, a progressive way, I think is, is important. I think that, that this, this form of like, um, uh, excited about the future, um, healthy competition, 
those are the ways to look at it. I don't like the way uh, certain people look at it where it's doom and gloom. It's the end of the world. We can't do anything about it. You're pointing your finger at people. I think that is dangerous. I would prefer to see more people going, all right, let's change things and I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna put my money where my mouth is and I'm gonna make change to you know, address this problem. I think like with anything, having a positive action towards it instead of a negative reaction to it is the only way, only way to go. How do you feel about nuclear energy? Um, I mean, given, <laughs> given how we uh, handle, like those are long-term facilities. <laughs> and given uh, the way we treat our infrastructure over the years, I, I'm nervous about it. Like I can't see us, you know, in 50 or 100 years keeping after these things as well as we should be. But I like it. I, I, I'm pro nuclear energy, but once, once you build one of those buildings, even if, you're, if, if it's offline and you're not using it, like that thing is still, it's still there. You have to keep after it. We have a couple of them in, in Ohio. Yeah. We have a nuclear plant in North Perry and we have one in, I believe, Oak Harbor. Oak Harbor. What are your thoughts on it? There's one just north of me, too. Yeah, what are you guys' thoughts on it? I'm all I'm, for it. Uh, I think it's super safe. Um, there's a lot of misconceptions. There are, there are a few journalists that reported on the um, plant that melted down in America. and Three Mile Island. Yes, Three Mile Island. And yeah. the cancer rates in, around, in and around Three Mile Island were actually lower than the surrounding areas. So, yeah, so like, like, like I said, my kind of concern is like the long-term maintenance of those sorts of things. Do you think in general, like, I mean, I, I, I would hope that future generations are continuing to invest in keeping up those sorts of infrastructure, but do you think that that's going to be something we'll long-term be able to uh, deal with? I think so. Uh, if if we if we really focus our money to what matters, then we can do it. Um, you know, we're a big country. We have plenty of resources. Uh, the way we use them is what matters, and the steps that we take, the commitment that we make, that's what matters. So yeah, you know, we're a country of laws that are put in place based on social norms. Social norms pretty much dictate how things go here for the most part. Yeah. You know, it, the people, after Three Mile Island, people panicked. Uh, there was a movie about a meltdown that had came out before then. And mm -hmm. people saw that and freaked out and really advocated against it. And the fear was real. And I, I get it, you know, it's, it's new, it's new, it's new stuff, but you gotta at some point realize that things like thorium can do some real good for energy and then especially for clean energy. You want to, you want to talk about a clean, clean running vehicle. How about a nuclear powered car? Yeah. One day. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's, that, that's the, the big question. Like, 
I mean, you have solar, you have wind, and I think nuclear, like, we've harnessed that energy. And if we, it, it's, it's sad that we harnessed that energy and the first thing we did with it was use it as a bomb. <laughs> Just one gram of thorium produces more energy than 28,000 liters of petrol. Yeah. Just to put things in mean, perspective. That's an, that's, yeah, that's a no-brainer. I just want to make sure the cars don't explode if they hit each other. <laughs> and you have a meltdown in the middle of the of the of the highway, the east west. Yeah, that's my concern. <laughs> we have to have like superstructure built around the reactor. Yeah, uh, yeah. I don't want it to like. Uh, could you imagine just two cars? <laughs> Just clearing out a fucking city. They would have to have um, emergency uh, water tanks. Yeah. And a bunch of Soviets coming, running with hoses to hose it off. <laughs> Just in the trunk of the car. <laughs> yeah. I mean, again, my, my big concern is is the grand scope in 100 years of these guys going to be taking it seriously or is it going to be a joke for them like taking care of these facilities? It's our responsibility to make sure that, you know, society is intact. Because if we, you know, society collapses and we have all these nuclear plants and nobody's taking care of it, that's, that's game over. Oh, man. This situation in Cuba is just it's unbelievable. Nuclear. There's people that want to help people right now. And, and yeah. Did you hear what happened? 67 is stopping that from happening. Did you hear what happened in Miami in response? They were shutting down that one part, I think, of 95 that goes through Miami. It was a 12-lane highway, and they were protests shutting it down. Uh-huh. I saw that. Yeah, they, uh, all the president has to do is, is cancel Proclamation 6867. That's what stops people, U.S. craft, from entering those waters. Well, from leaving ours and entering theirs for the purpose of bringing things, you know. There's people doing it, you know. Yeah. And Godspeed to them. Hope they make it there and back safely. But it's a yeah, tough, I think, tough um, risk to take. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's sad, the uh, fallout on relations we had with Cuba back in the day. It's obvious the reasons why, but it's like that. It like the, the collapse of the Soviet Union should have been the opening up of relations with Cuba. Like it's no longer the threat it was. Right. The Soviet Union collapsed. Like we should have opened up our our relationships immediately after that. Like it's right next door. There is no benefit to them suffering. For the United States government, like there's no benefit for their suffering. Yeah, you know, there's there's people there, and they just, you know, they don't. People, regular people, they don't, they don't care. They just want to, they just want to live. They don't yeah. care, like, right. like who the fuck is like, like fuck off, like stop fucking with these people. That's pretty shitty when you think yeah, about he, it. Like they're fucking with the people. Do you think Fidel Castro, if we opened up? our embargo if we open up trade with them do you think fidel castro would have spread communism throughout central and south america 
from there. Like it was wow. game over. It was game over from there. Like mm-hmm. you, you, you got to be human. Anything after 1990, it, it, it was a, a silly tragedy after that. Yeah, the world doesn't need that shit anymore, man. I no. think uh, I think everybody's pretty fucking fed up. Yeah, a hundred percent. And uh, we're spending so much fucking money too. And look what's happening. Look what's happening. Look at the way. Look, I I knew this was going to happen. Okay, so I I think I said this the last three episodes in a row, and uh, I'm going to say it again. usdebtclock.org. Fucking, this is looking at it's so fucking depressing, man. It's. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It just keeps going lower. The deficit keeps getting bigger and bigger. And uh, it makes you wonder why the fuck are they spending that kind of money? Like, why are they doing that? And- I mean, money is just a story we tell her, tell ourselves. Like, it, it, as long as people believe in that story, it, it'll be fine. But as soon as people don't buy into that narrative, that's when will have uh, a dangerous situation on our hands. But as long as everyone buys the story of money, we'll be okay. What's scary is how much debt China has of American dollars. That, because if China wants to twist the knife, then that story gets really difficult (laughs) to follow. And uh, people will, I don't know, I've been criticized before for saying I've been called an isolationist and I don't, I don't believe really think I, I'd consider myself an isolationist more of like uh, common sense tells me that we shouldn't have, you know, it's too late now, but if we could go back, I don't think it would have been wise to attach ourselves <clears throat> so deeply with foreign entities. That's an interesting topic because I, I I think we should have talked to them. Like, I'm not, like, you know, I'm against closed borders. You know, I think if people want to come and go, they should. Like, if yeah, if they feel like there's somewhere else that they want to be, they should be able to go there, you know, or they should be able to come from there. Yeah, America is very isolationist until, you know, World War One and World War Two, and kind of everything collapsed, and America just kind of saw in the rubble that they can create the whole world in their image. And that's when, you know, the world went to the US dollar. And it was kind of a greedy move by America, but a necessary move in, in a lot of respects. But uh, us, us turning global wasn't really, um, it, it wasn't us like trying to jump into a trade deal or anything. It was just kind of like, the world was collapsing and we were the only people who can kind of step in and and support the global network. Yeah, definitely not into isolationism. It just it doesn't make sense. But we 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 to your point, we are moving into a very nationalistic, anti-globalist era in human history. Yeah. Not just America, but across the board like we are moving into a very nationalistic era in human history and i think it's it's a good thing i think it's necessary uh how that is how that unfolds is is the big question i think it's important for us because nationalism can turn 
toxic so easily that it's, uh, it, I'm worried about it, but I think it's absolutely necessary. We need to, after Clinton's era of um, free trade agreements, uh, all these corporations turning international, jobs leaving America, uh, we've gone through a substantial era of punishment on American citizens because of globalism. It's, none of it's on purpose, but it the results are in, and it's it's poverty, it's opioid abuse, it's you know it's that's one the of the worst of, problems. Like it's, there's a huge huge problem and i think nationalism is warranted at this point but it has to be appropriate and it has to be well thought out because that can turn toxic so quickly yeah yeah there's bad actors who come in and take advantage of that very easily yeah it, it it's a low-hanging fruit for anyone with nefarious ideas um you know i think uh healthy competition with the rest of the globe and uh, a pride with, um, you know, what we can do and just reinvesting in, in citizens. Like those are the three things you really have to do. Yeah. Appreciate others. You can't, the others aren't enemies. They're, they're, it's a healthy competition. It's a sport and getting jobs back to America. Like it, that's, that's very, very important right now. Oh boy, my phone just fucking updated and reset right as, right as I was going to reference an article. Oh, <laughs> no. <laughs> you know what happened last night and it made me mad right after I got off of here? Well, actually, it didn't make me mad. It made me very, very, very grateful that I was able to catch last night's meeting. Because as soon as that meeting ended and Ben got off the phone the power went out and it didn't come back on again until this morning. Really? Yeah. It's something with this area. I don't know what it is like this, like downtown core here in our city power goes out sometimes for nothing. Like we had storms last night. That's a justified reason for the power to go out, but there'll be sometimes when it's just sunny and we're like, Oh yeah, we had the air conditioner on and everything like that. And then the power goes out and I'm like, we're going to die. <laughs> it's going to yeah. get that hot. We got to mm -hmm. go outside into the shed and we got to turn on all the freaking blower fans and run the lawnmower to get the everything. <laughs> it just get everything working again. We actually, our furnace, we didn't notice this until the other day. We got one of those things where we can plug a generator directly into our furnace. So if anything like that happens, we can still have the, uh, heating and cooling in the house if only just that with a generator that's nice here in new york city we're we're fucked if, you know we're completely dependent on yeah. everybody yeah you guys have ordinances where i don't even think you guys can run generators no, even no, if it's an emergency nope yeah you have to wait until the you have to wait until the authorities come out with the big generator to plug in your entire freaking block yep that's uh it's a pricey pay. We uh you you want to live in a densely populated area, you and 
specialize in something, you have to depend on a hell of a lot of people to provide you with a lot of shit. The good thing is the power grid in New York City in most places is pretty dependent, but how is it over where you're at? Um, I've never, I've never, well, actually we've, we did have a, a massive explosion two years ago at the, uh, the Con Edison, uh, facility, maybe a mile with me. Uh, I looked out the window and there's this massive blue ball blew up into the air and then the whole sky turned blue for about two seconds. Damn. And, uh, oh, you had like a super arc up into the air. Yeah. And then, but. We didn't lose power. I don't know. Did it surge? I mean, yeah, probably. Yeah, I'm not sure what the hell happened, but yeah, when those substations go, it's really interesting because all those bars that are across those substations, they'll all lift up at the same time very slowly and it'll just arc up into the air. And it's like, wow. Yeah. I was literally looking out the window. I was like, I've never seen anything like that. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I won't mention what I was doing at the time, but I kind of like looked up and I was like, holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine doing some, something like smoking a joint and looking out the window and being yeah. like, what the fuck? <laughs> I, was, I was with my girlfriend at the time and I was just like, nothing. It was all right. <laughs> <Keep> nothing. <laughs> the sky blew up. You closed yeah. the blinds. Sky, yeah. I was literally like, "All right, so if I'm if I'm in the middle of having sex and the world ends, what am I going to do?" I'm like, "Oh, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to ignore it. <laughs> Go ahead and ignore it. Strive for the ending, and then if if everything goes to shit after that, at least it's the last thing you did." Yeah, <laughs> if we can get the both climaxes to happen at the same time, <laughs> it'll be perfect. It's like it's like that scene in. Uh... Christmas vacation when he plugs the lights in and the music comes on. The yeah, choir, yeah. choir it reminds like me some glorious tune. <laughs> it reminds me of when archaeologists found that one uh, skeleton in Pompeii that was masturbating when the volcano yeah. was going on. <laughs> It'd be like, well, the last thing he ever did or was yeah, either I mean, in the middle know, of doing was that. You can't judge, you know, people's kinks. Maybe lava was his... Uh, <laughs> what he was into. The bird's so good. <laughs> yeah, he, he's just uh, he's just staring up in the sky, be like, "That's oh, a bunch of hot stuff." <laughs> the yeah, exactly. fetish. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it was, I wish I would have known this my whole life. It took me to the last moment of my life to realize what my kink was. <laughs> good lord. <laughs> So what, else is oh, what what are you guys' thoughts about uh, like in general climate change? Significant issue, definitely a real issue, but yeah. in everything, there's always that level of urgency to do something, and mm-hmm. I'm gonna find a way to make a bunch of money on this by hyping the shit out of it. Yeah, it seems like we're on the latter half of that, where people are like, "We have four years left to live," and I'm like. We'll be lucky if we've got two, to be honest, with the political climate. But in the long term, if that doesn't kill us, then, yeah, we probably got like, you know, 10 to 15 years at some estimate or something like that. And I even hear the figure 10 to 15 years. I'm like, 
this is a planet that freezes and then explodes over and over again in cycles, and we're still here. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, it's real. Could could different steps be taken? Yeah, and that doesn't mean that I think that there should be more regulations. I think that I think that companies shouldn't have so much influence on the decisions that politicians make. I think a lot of the bad things come from the fact that they're allowed to lobby so vigorously. Yeah. Um, you know, they, they say that they're not supposed to give them gifts, but you know, it's, they do. They do. Yeah. You know, that it could, it could be anything, you know, just because they're not, you know, tactically doing something doesn't mean that they're doing it anyways. So there's too much money involved, man. It doesn't make sense. You don't need money to just stop doing something that's not good. I, I do think the bad thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I do think it's good. Um, I don't want to give all the credit to Elon Musk, but I do think uh, we have taken the power away from the oil companies over the last five, six years. Uh, and that is a very new uh, thing in our politics and them losing power, I think is a game changer in, in American politics. Uh, our, our dollar was based on oil, the price of oil in general. That's why we went to war in Iraq and uh, that whole region. And I think for the first time we've moved away from that model economically. And I'm curious to see how that uh, manifests itself. Mm -hmm. Are you guys into uh, agriculture at all? You know, we farming have a, or gardening? We have a garden out back. Anthony, in New York, do you guys have space for that stuff out there? We have plants everywhere. Nice. Do you do anything outside or is it all indoor stuff? Everything we have is indoors. I mean, yeah, it's, it's New York City, but uh, we buy a new plant every day. Nice. Here's the weird thing about the ordinance in our town. We can grow every single plant except for corn. Can't grow corn? It's a cash crop. Of course not. Well, the reason that they <laughs> cite in the ordinance is because it fucks up the soil. And I'm like, who cares? It's our soil. We own okay. the house. We own the soil. When I bought the house, like I, I paid to live on the land, the land beneath it and enjoy the air. You know, there's an airport nearby, so can't fuck with that. But, you know, <laughs> that's just dangerous. But there's still, an, I should be able to fly a drone up there and nobody should be able right? to do anything about it. Oh, there's, actually, there's actually a dispute a buddy of mine had that he won. <laughs> Holy fuck, what was that? I dropped something. <laughs> Kick something over. I'm like, boom, I'm like, shots fired. <laughs> but uh, there's an airport not too far away from here. And uh, apparently that affects the drone laws here in town. Well, a buddy oh, of mine yeah, actually, yeah. Yep. a buddy of mine, and by not too far away from here, I mean like 13 miles. I'm like, it shouldn't even be, you know, a thing that they go, hey, yeah. uh, drone's bad. I'm like, dude, we're 13 miles from an airport. But a buddy of mine actually got cited for being in an FAA no-fly zone with a drone that he's licensed to have. He put it up yep. on his property to inspect his roof. 
And the state police tried to say, oh, you're not a licensed drone pilot. And he's like, well, here's my FAA registration. Here's my amateur drone licensing pilot. They're like, okay, well, you're in federal airspace. I'm like, no, actually, I'm in my airspace. That's not federal airspace. In fact, they don't even have a control tower. They're so small. And the Cessna, they don't come 500 feet above an urban terrain, you know. That's why you argued. Yeah, I I work in television production, and the drone laws across the country are all over the place. It's, It's very bizarre. It, like in Hawaii, you needed to have like 10,000 hours of actual pilot flight time to operate a drone. Like for man, like man vessel? Yes. You needed to have 10,000 flight hours in a man vessel to fly a drone. Yeah. If you wanted man. to use it for television production. that It's wow. since changed. And yeah. that number could be wrong. It could be a thousand hours. I don't know how many hours, but you needed actual physical pilot piloted hours to piloted hours. operate a drone. That since changed, they've kind of flattened all the laws across the nation to be under the FDA. But before that, and it was or the FAA, I should say. But uh, before that, it was it was all over the place. And I remember whenever they changed the drone laws because uh, that friend I was talking about was in on that committee to help with those drone laws. Whenever Jeff Pyle uh, out of Pennsylvania, he recommended, you know, a sweeping change of drone laws and he got it passed nationally. Mm-hmm. But that was great. I mean, that was a huge mm-hmm. lift burden off of my shoulders when I'm trying to produce shows. Yeah, because um, the best thing you can do for your B-roll is to go get aerial photographs of what you're going to do even if it's going to be like a three second b-roll intro sting or something right into content just getting a little aerial shot of the building that you're going to be in or the park that you're going to be in it works wonders it yeah it changes like that literally like it's it's more dynamic than anything else you can get and it's cheaper than anything else you can get whether it's getting a big giant super jib shot or you know, some sort of steady cam movement, like yeah, it's. And forget paying the special effects people to make an animated thing. You know, yeah. your special right. effects people trying to clip a bunch of clips together in a three-second piece of B-roll. You're spending yeah. almost four thousand dollars on that dude to do that. Yeah. Where you go you out, get, pay like five, six hundred bucks, you get a good drone shot. Get a good drone shot, and then you can just transition an aerial shot with a fade or a wipe, or you know, mm-hmm. even a cross dissolve. Yep. Or I feel like it's at. way cooler to, to zero in on something from overhead. It's yeah. You know, I don't even, I don't know anything about the production, but I know that watching it, it's it makes me feel more like you know, I'm arriving. <laughs> yeah, I'm arriving you know, it, to that, see that's, what's going on. That's the big that's, thing about those. Uh, stinger shots they call them a transition and if you're having a transition that arrives at where you're at it flows the story of whatever you're trying to do right together yeah yeah and just watching it like like you said like that that's what we're looking for is is that reaction where it's like oh damn that's that's dope yeah it really is you could just you could get some great shots with that too i mean oh yeah they even have uh, technology for close range drones. Close range drones that just, it you know, locks onto you and it follows yeah. you around. 
I think that stuff is so cool. You can I use think, that while riding a motorcycle or doing something extreme, you know? <laughs> now, those are the really cool shots. If you've got a drone and you take off from a destination and you've got a wide open road, let's say you've got a pack of motorcycles six deep. And instead of hiring a jig off the back of a SUV that was custom built for this particular thing, yeah. you can just stick a drone up in the air about 100 feet in front of them, oh, zoom in a little bit. And then as soon as that pack starts moving, it's going to track and it's going to move forward. It's not going to hit anything because those drones automatically detect the obstacles and move or you just got wide open roads. So you don't have to worry about it. Right. And you can use that $600 drone to set up an otherwise eight, $9,000 shop because you've got that SUV um, that either you got to rent or you got to build or the equipment to make it temporary. Yep. We started Absolutely. off with, uh, you know, at first it was cell phones, the capability <laughs> that comes with cell phones. You know, everybody oh, yeah. can go out and buy different kinds of lenses for both Android and Apple devices. Mm-hmm. And now the drones, it's just making the studio a lot more affordable for the common person. And it's yeah. quality equipment too. These Some of these phones have great microphones in them. Some of these little yeah. cameras you could put on a drone have great microphones and optics on them. You know. Yeah, I mean, look at what we're doing right now. You guys are, are making a podcast. That's right. insane. Yeah. And, insane. You know, I've got Ten years like, ago, I wouldn't think about this. <laughs> you know, no. I've got like a, a little studio set up here um, in the basement of my house. And I'll go ahead and switch between a few things that I can do with it. You know, I can transition to my title card, my direct yeah. video. I can transition between my, uh, you know, my Adobe Illustrator window, my Sony Vegas window and all that kind of stuff. And the camera that I have for this, people are, uh, Clayton was here whenever I got that camera set up. The camera is not a webcam. It's not uh, a camcorder. It's my cell phone. And it's actually wirelessly connected to the OBS through my local Wi-Fi. Yeah. That's cool. Like, the, the whole thing, it, it's it's insane. Like, I know Trent wanted me to talk about kind of the idea of medium as a message, but, uh, like, just the way content is produced and distributed these days it's getting is... easier. Yeah. And that means more ideas. You know, television only gives you a certain amount of information and that information is controlled by gatekeepers not because they're nefarious or bad but because uh it's expensive yeah and now those networks are cheaper and the distribution is free like now everyone's able to communicate their ideas in formats like this and that's insane and yes. even then, um, back on your topic of uh, communication and everything like that and production, back then you used to need a lot of money to make produce content, you know, to produce content for television or yeah. even YouTube. Back in the day, YouTube used to be very expensive. You had to go out and get cameras and all of your equipment. And to build a graphics package, you needed to hire somebody that does that. Well, now yeah. we have cell phones that can be that are immaculate cameras. You've got cell phones with cameras on them that 
10 years ago, it, it wouldn't have even been conceived. And right. anybody can make content using tools that have been developed for the common person in mind. Yeah. So instead of having okay. to get your ideas out on television and to contact a PR representative for that network to come to you, you can be your own person and put it out on the internet for other people to see. And that's what pisses TV off. Yeah. That's what pisses a lot of these media people off because they're losing tons of money. Yep. And it's the most powerful thing in the world. Mm-hmm. It is the most powerful thing on earth is us creating content without gatekeepers. It's, yeah. It is those who are in control of society that we knew it for the past 60 years. They no longer have control. We have new gatekeepers coming in eventually, but at the moment we're in a lull where we have the power to communicate with each other without any interruption. There is no filter between the two, between you and your audience. And that is unbelievably powerful. Those new gatekeepers look like they're poised to be the people in charge of social media. You know, social media is jumping in and uh, they're trying to put a cap on what you can say, what you can't say, what you can't share, what you can't do. Yeah. You've got people out there that are working in application development that are making their own apps for this shit. You know, if they want to do something outside of the realm of Twitter and Facebook and they can, you know, make their own network for it, they're making their own network. So even then you've got gatekeeper, gatekeepers, gatekeepers, (laughs) gatekeepers <laughs> you've got gatekeepers on you know a new platform and those platforms already are evolving into even newer forms because common social media you know it's a uh, feed based it's uh you've got facebook you know you've got a timeline and you know everything's on it you've got twitter you've got a uh, feed thread almost like a blog a mini blog yep. and then you have new content uh ideas that are coming up like full rich text and rich content blogs that are hosted you know peer-to-peer you subscribe to somebody and um the feed that you have appears on them and it doesn't go public it's just if you subscribe to that person yeah and and literally so we're, we're going from a mass media medium to a social media medium (laughs) where mass media is one directional information only goes one way the television tells you something you can't react so and it goes out to everyone so everyone gets the same information but they don't have the opportunity to question it where you go with the social media platform where the information goes one way and back the other way where you can have a conversation that is a huge, huge difference in the way we experience reality at its fundamental level. Like it changes the way we look at the world. It's a changes who's in charge. It changes our values. It changes absolutely everything we know about society. And we're in a beautiful, beautiful <laughs> moment. We see the thing changing you know, with, with Facebook censoring, Twitter censoring, that's, that's the big danger, but those we're are those, still in this moment. One of my, one of my favorite things to do is, is, uh, <laughs> I, uh, like I wasn't laughing at what you said. I was laughing because I, I remember 
anecdotally, and uh, this this happened many times. <laughs> you can go see live broadcasts on Facebook, and the amount of shit the viewers talk on these <laughs> yeah. live broadcasts yeah. is absolutely phenomenal. I have never seen so many shit talkers in my entire life, and it's always like the most obscene shit. Like, why can't you fucking like if they don't like the report like they're slaughtering these these reporters yeah. it's absolutely crazy it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful <laughs> thing yeah because you know before it used to come from one source go out and there was no way to reply now in real time these people are getting criticism and i don't believe that there's ever been um a time in recent history where those people have been doing their broadcast and doing it exactly as they practice it an hour ago. And they're looking at that chat feed, like I'm butchering it. It's the same way I used to do it (laughs) 10 years ago. And now all of a sudden they don't like it. Well, the reason they don't like it is because now there's criticism there. Right. And that's why ratings on shows and everything have been in a decline, you know, news media networks, their ratings have been in such a decline recently because now you have criticism. You have people having discussion about what is and what isn't, you know, um, are they lying to you and how are they lying to you and how does that affect their program? And because of that criticism, there are less people watching because they've seen right through the bullshit. Yep. And that's, it's a very rare moment in history. Who knows how long this is going to last? You know, or how long it'll take for it to evolve. But, we have to enjoy it while we can. We have to make the most of it while we can. Like the ability for us to have candid conversations and distribute it to whoever the audience might be. That's a very unique, rare thing. And we should be making the most of it. Yeah. I always have like this weird dream or thought or something like that, that, you know, we have television, we have social media. And then what comes after that? Um, because, you know, you can't really innovate any more than that until you start getting more and more personal. Well, eventually there could come a time where there's like a device and you could like, you know, attach it to like, you know, your collarbone or something like that. And you can think something like think something and have the entire concept that you're thinking about and how it makes sense to you share to the internet so that they can experience what you have in mind. And instead of having... Yeah. And instead of having to rely on effective communication and everything like that, you know, having to explain your point and having to convince somebody, you can literally just share the thought itself with somebody and they can go, well, that's an interesting thought. Instead of criticizing your delivery of the thought, just absorb thoughts, have it, (laughs) bring it in and they can uh, go, Elon Musk is working on it. It's called Neuralink. Yeah. Neuralink. And Obviously, there's an interesting uh, way that you can abuse that. You know, I'm already thinking of ways that that could be abused. You know, someone has an interesting looking thought and you're like, oh, that, that's interesting. You click on it. Three seconds go by and I'm like, yeah, it's nothing but crazy porn. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's very dangerous, but it's, a, I mean, it's, it can be very beautiful to be very dangerous. It, yeah. You know, it's all in how it's applied. And then the meme potential for that is unreal because all you have to do is think about a meme for a minute, put yourself in a projection and it's literally just a shit post. You like bring that thought in and it's just (laughs) like 
seven minutes of farting and eating Cheetos or some shit. And you're like, what the hell is this? Yeah. I mean, it's a thing. It's abstract. It's a thing. Yeah. Neuralink looks uh, pretty cool. I'm looking up, I'm looking at it right now. With the Neuralink? Yeah, it could be uh it can be used to operate encephalopathy, which is you know the connection between us and technology. And that's cool because people who are like people who are paralyzed can use technology again. You know, it would give them another opportunity to function. And that yeah. would be interesting, you know, if like somebody is completely inoperable and they can't speak, yeah. but with Neuralink, they can use it and they can literally put out thoughts and they right. can speak to somebody. And, you know, you have the context of this person is disabled, they're inoperable, but here they are talking to you and thinking with you and they didn't have to use any input. They didn't have right. to move. They just had to think. And it yeah, would be... I mean, Stephen Hawking had a lot to do with that. They did a lot of work mm -hmm. with him. I mean, he sounded like a robot and he had a giant computer in front of his face, but you know, a lot of a lot of where they're going with this kind of stemmed from people working with him trying to figure that shit out. Yeah. And even then, if you could imagine it, Neuralink being you can share ideas with other people. Well, in theory, you can share ideas with machine. You can think, move leg, leg moves. Yeah. And you could literally just be in a mech suit basically but you're just walking you know just put a suit on top of this otherwise you know non-assuming mech and it'd be as if you're walking naturally across the stage you can't speak you're like mute or something like that because you're disabled but you know yeah. everything is working in line you're balanced on top of this mech and you're speaking through a computer device through a voice that you had custom tailored to you 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 know you chose like some voice actor out there you know yeah. out of a catalog yeah. be like this is the voice closest to mine or this is the voice i would like yeah and that'd be really yeah. interesting because if you have a presenter up there and he could just yeah. change voices mid-conversation like he's having a conversation with mom and dad he can get con you know uh voice recordings from mom and dad and use it in his conversation it'd be really interesting to do and that's not far away like that is all coming that is, again, and, and it's, it, it's going to be beautiful. Like, it's going to be a beautiful thing. Yeah. Like, because instead of having to convince, you know, even radical people, we're not talking about our kind of radical, you know, people think we're radical, but we're talking about, you know, violent, actual violent people that like just want to hurt people because of no reason. Yeah, you know, we can give them ideas and stuff like that and be like, hey, we're not too different from you guys. Yeah. That we is have. We have families. We have lives that we want to do. We have aspirations. All of my thoughts are related to bowling. Have fun. <laughs> yeah. that and, and truly, you just got at the heart of the whole issue. Uh, these long gunmen, these, these school shootings or what these mass shootings, it truly stems down to isolation. Mm -hmm. When you are isolated when nobody is there to hear you and no one is there to relate to you to comfort you to persuade like that's that that's the result of isolation and that's purely what it comes down to if if you have communication with other people those sorts of scenarios go away and those it's sorts truly, of scenarios can be stopped before they start yeah, because truly, if you have a community, if you have 
someone to relate to you, that never happens. And I know, uh, you know, over the past 15 years, you know, there's online communities who kind of relate to each other in that sense where they feel isolated together and angry together and they feed off each other. And then those sorts of actions take place because their community becomes the community that celebrates those sorts of actions. But if you had a global community where you're not just hearing from people who are echoing, you know, those sorts of negative thoughts about shooting people or, you know, your loneliness. If you have a bigger, broader community that's there for you and hearing you from a different perspective, those sorts of dangerous activities, those sorts of things will, will go away. Like it comes down to being heard, being acknowledged, understanding like where your pain is coming from, right. those sorts of things. That's all that people need is recognition. Yes, you are, you're, you're hurting and I understand why. Like that's all it comes down to. And obviously, you know, with all this stuff, it's not going to solve every problem. You know, we're still going to have the problem of walking back and forth to the store and getting mugged because somebody's in a precarious situation. Of course. And, you know, yeah. there, there's no thoughts that you can interject into that person um, because either A, they choose not to read um, anything like that, or B, they're just so desperate they're at rope, you know, the end of the rope, either get $500 before the end of the week or go yeah. under, don't pay rent, get evicted you know, yep. people at dire straits like that. And so people, you know, they get to the idea of Neuralink and they're like, oh, well, this will solve the problem of violence. I'm like, it won't solve the problem of violence. It won't come close. Nope. Violence And there's going to be other problems that exist and, come yeah. up that we never even thought of. Oh, yeah, because, you know, as soon as you start thinking and thinking and, and putting thoughts out there, obviously you would hopefully be able to control what gets published, what kind of thought you put out there on um the platform but if i you, hope so if you get a little bit intoxicated you're gonna do something stupid just as it tends to go you know you're gonna be thinking about something dumb and then you're gonna post it and you're gonna go oh shit my wife's gonna see that and she totally knows that i'm thinking about some other woman that i would just spend <laughs> two hours with or you know something of that nature or you're gonna be thinking of something that just totally steps on the toes of uh, some other group and obviously there are people out there that are still going to think discriminatory things. And obviously this isn't a thought police point or anything like that, but they're going to people, they're going to be people out there that go, what the fuck were you thinking? And yeah, you're going to be like, well, I just showed you what I was thinking. <laughs> and people are going to be judged more on that because, you know, you didn't have the meticulous communicate yeah. your thoughts process. It's just directly from thought to phone. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, like, who knows how that can be manifested, but it's, it's the direction we're going, I think. Like, mm -hmm. So we all know that just like social media, just like television, there are going to be issues, and there's going to be somebody out there waiting for you to make the wrong thought and make you out to be a villain and try to control the entire thing. Yeah, it, and that's what it comes down to is controlling the narrative. Yeah, controlling the narrative. Who, who, who controls the narrative? And literally, you know, it, it's not going to be a department of fact checkers anymore. It's literally going to be a department of wrong think. Yep. 
you're just going to have a wrong think patrol out there and be like, literally, I thought that, you know, if I would have said that, um, you would have criticized me there. But how is me saying that versus me thinking that any different from any of the two? Yeah. Right. And that's, that's the difference is like, once it, once it, that barrier of like consciously presenting an idea versus just thinking it, like how well we treat that barrier. Like mm -hmm. it's very, uh, it's, it's very dangerous to think how, how we would treat thoughts when they're not uh, spoken. Yeah. Thought crimes. Yeah. Yeah. And then all of a sudden it's literally thought crime. Yeah. Coming like, to dude, the court I was just near thinking you. It, I didn't say it. <laughs> Which is why, you know, uh, whenever they go to execute this, there's probably going to be some kind of draft process because everybody's gotten on Twitter before pissed off or drunk or stupid or and said something <laughs> and then got bombarded for it. Yeah, that, uh, you know, got bombarded for it. There has to be some kind of draft stage to this too. Because yeah. if you just have an unlimited factory of thoughts going out there every seven minutes to the average male, it'll be sex. <laughs> yeah. And it, yeah, it, I think the one thing that'll save it is that everyone will be guilty of everything. So, so it's there, who, who is going to be, you know, who's going to be able to throw the first stone when everyone's in a glass house. And, you know, there, there'll probably be some things because you know what you think goes out on the internet. Um, so the effort to post it is probably literally, you have to think, okay, I'm going to post this off to thoughtogram or whatever, <laughs> whatever they yeah. end up calling it. And, you know, there has to be like a draft stage or something like that so that you don't unintentionally share too much. And yeah, obviously someone's just like, really, do you really want to say this? Really? Do you really want to say this? And obviously, you know, um, you could be walking around and you happen to have an idle thought of, hey, this is my house. This is the address. All of a sudden, you just gave somebody that hates your guts just because of what you think. They got your address now. Yeah. Well, you know, you're typing in a phone number to call a friend oh, or something yeah, like that. Yeah, I mean, that. imagine hacking, like, just the people who try and <sighs> steal your information from a phone call, like, them trying to steal your information from thoughts. Oh, imagine what would happen if, you know, somebody managed to hack this either. I don't think they'd be able to control your thoughts, obviously, through that, but they'd be able to control, you know, what is said on your behalf or anything like that. Or they'd be able to inject into a feed or something. But even worst case scenario, having a hacker in your head, that would be fucked up. <laughs> they'd be like, get out of my head. I don't yeah. even know you. So you guys, yeah. uh, you know, like another thing that kind of goes Are you Australian? Is, is uh, you know. So in order to have a crime, you need it, it. It has two parts. A crime has two parts: actus reus and mens rea. Actus reus is like the guilty act, and mens rea is this is the mind, the mindful act. It's like fantasizing, for instance. Yeah. You know. Mm -hmm. So now you have, if this actually becomes society, you will have more implications. Like somebody walking down the street is accidentally heard saying some creepy shit that he would do, you know, to that girl he thinks that's hot over there. You know, it's no right. longer, it's no longer like, oh, just somebody fantasizing about a possible scenario. It is now an intrusion on somebody else's liberty. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, yeah. 
which is why which is why obviously there would need to be you know an element to i have to put in effort to publish this thought for people to see otherwise all of my candid thoughts intentional or not are going to be viewed by the public which would suck you know you're walking down the street and you know you uh, have... i mean could you imagine any woman walking down the street and the amount of like audio oh yeah <laughs> audio That's... It's like second nature for heterosexual men. It's like, you know, I'm married now, but, you know, when I was single and I saw a beautiful woman, I would be like, wow, you know, that's a beautiful woman. You know, you know, I wouldn't say it, you know, I would keep to myself. I'm respectful. But if these thoughts were shared, you know, they could be perceived differently than I had actually intended them. Yeah. And oh my God, would that be horrible if, you know, she's in a public place like an airport and you've got tons of dudes doing that and she can read everything and be like, this is uncomfortable and overwhelming. Yeah. She'd be like, yeah, get me the fuck out of here. These are creeps. Gets up on the plane and then it's no different on the plane. You're just really high. Mm-hmm. And now she's trapped in a box in a plane, 30,000 feet up in the air, surrounded by dudes that are just looking over to the eye and be like, uh, I'd like a piece of that ass. Be like, no! They'd <laughs> never want to leave home. So obviously there would need to be some kind of draft process so that this shit couldn't be put. And then obviously there's going to be those dudes out there that are dumb enough to do that anyway with, yeah, you know, target in the vicinity. And then she's going to get up and she's going to beat the bullshit out of you in the middle of a flight. <laughs> And then everybody around there is going to be like, hey, man. (laughs) It'd be really interesting. It'd be almost like thought bubbles or something appearing above somebody's head or, you know, audio. Like hive mind. Yeah, audio with, you know, like a visual thought bubble or something. And then all of a sudden you just see somebody beating the bullshit out of somebody in public. And then it's just a wall of emojis from the crowd and just different things. It's like an almost, you know, it's like a chat feed, but it's happening all over. It's like VR. It'd be like, this is surreal. You're seeing the entire reaction of this entire crowd at once. And you don't even have to be there. You could be up in a skyscraper overlooking the incident and just see thought bubbles. It'd be amazing. (laughs) It'd be like, he just got his ass beat and everybody enjoyed that. I'm going to go have a drink now. <laughs> yeah, it's wild. I mean, yeah, the medium really, like, that, that that's where it changes everything. Whatever the message is, the medium controls how it's interpreted by everybody. How <laughs> soon do you just, guys... Oh, sorry, what? That's just a million candid thoughts are rolling through my head <laughs> of different scenarios where that would be hilarious. It's like you're on a bus and you're just sitting there and you're falling as you're like falling asleep and then you just a thought bubble appears above your head this sucks and then everybody else on a bus would be like yeah agreed everything like that and there's this random dude at the front of the bus i could use a taco right now and everything <laughs> would turn into a fucking chat room you know how fucking weird that is to me you know like yeah. i don't I, I get it it's fucking cool but like jesus fucking christ if you're on the same bus and there has to be a chat room for the bus you're fucked. <laughs> that is yeah, fucked. Every room you walk into is a different. Like, but room. the advantage yeah. is, conversation would be easy because you'd go ahead and you'd think the oh thing. Oh my god! And you'd just see the reaction, and no one has to talk, no one has to change <laughs> posture, nothing. You just have the reactions, and you just kind of look around and be like, nobody's saying anything, 
but you already know. And even that would be more entertaining than just being on the bus and tweeting, I am bored. A life devoid of fucking social interaction. Or you've got yeah. that one guy on the bus. <laughs> you got that one guy on the bus that's just over and over, just another thought. It's just stupid thoughts, memes, basically. That would be me with ADHD, just fucking be- like everything I see. I like, if I, I don't. I don't say everything that I think, but like, I think a lot. And so if I'm quiet, I'm introvert. I'm both introvert and extrovert, but I'm a little bit more of an introvert. And so I prefer, you know, to go back into myself. I I refer to, I prefer to stay in my mind and think about stuff. So, Oh, you know, like there's that building. There's one thing about that building. There's a guy walking, you know, get the fuck out of the way. I'm driving here. You know, this guy's an asshole. Blah, blah, blah. Oh, that <laughs> would make road rage so fun. But I'm that not would make I don't road, road rage. rage. I just, no. I just like, I get, I just like, I get sassy. I just like think, I think sassy. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, but, but could you imagine, you know, you're driving along a highway and everything like that. And then a dude cuts you off. And then you go, fuckhead, and just above your head appears, and then he goes, he goes, bite me. And then all of a sudden, you're just chasing the dude. And god damn it, that's my phone. Uh, I'm gonna have to hop off here in my computer. Yeah, let's 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 call it a close. Yeah, this is yeah. uh this is a we've been talking for like an hour and a half, and I'm gonna have to edit this down like an hour. Well, I know it's possible. There's a lot of dead space, so <laughs> dead space cause yeah. ums. It'll take out a good 30 minute chunk. So thanks yeah, for coming on. It was a pleasure, on. guys. I hope I can speak with you soon. Thanks for coming on, dude. Yeah, Anthony, thank you for great coming to on. have you. Take uh, care, guys. Let me uh let's let's do an outro here real quick let's if you do if you don't mind. Um yeah. thanks everybody for joining us on the show. Uh my name's Clayton Moore. You can follow me on Twitter at I am Clayton Moore. I am Lego Operator. You can follow me on Twitter at Lego Operator. You can also follow my various projects at Untyranny. And you can also follow the website whenever I get it back up at Leaves Liberty. And that's my main Twitter there is at Leaves Liberty. Uh, This is Tony Seltzer. Follow the Goon Squad on Twitter at the Goon Squad PR. Bitch, I'm finna. Bitch, I'm finna boog. Bitch, I'm finna boog. Yeah, me and all my crew went from military infantry to goons All because the feds forgot the people make the rules Yeah, bitch, I'm finna boog Yeah, I'm finna boogaloo Like a movie that's coming to a reality